I had thought about preaching on the grace of God, and if I would have, I would have quoted Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8. For by grace are you saved through faith, and not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. Not of works, lest any man should boast, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. I was going to tell you a story as well, if I would have preached on grace about when I was in the Boy Scouts long time ago. Some of you guys were in the Boy Scouts as well. Some of you girls probably in the Brownies or the Girl Scouts. I don't know. But all these years I can still remember my pledge, my oath. Uh, I was told you about a time we went to Lake Vesuvius in Ohio to camp for the weekend. That was one of the highlights of my life as a Boy Scout, to be able to go on jamborees and camping trips. And we'd go in the wintertime and be snow a foot deep on our tents. And uh, we'd have to clear the snow to pitch the tent. And uh, it would be cold. Um but just one time we went to Lake Vesuvius in the summertime, and we were having a blast. We, I had a, a canoeing merit badge. Some of you guys know what I'm talking about. Uh, when we learned to maneuver a canoe, we learned how to capsize it, which was very easy. We learned how to get up under it, push it back up out of the water with no water in it, flip it over, and then climb back up in it. We practiced that and practiced that until we perfected it. And that's when we got our merit badge for canoeing. Um, We were in Lake Vesuvius. We rented, the scoutmaster rented canoes for all of us, and we were practicing all of that, canoeing, went up and down the lake, canoeing, and his son rented a canoe on his own, and he wasn't supposed to, and he, in the process of canoeing, coming to the shore where we were at, Some older boys were there at the lake because it was a public lake. They'd been drinking a little, partying. They stole his canoe, took it out. He was scared to death. He said, my dad's going to kill me. His dad was a scoutmaster. He said, my dad's going to kill me. And so... He kept talking to myself and a friend of mine. In fact, Greg might be watching. He watches from Florida every now and then, Greg Wells. He talked Greg and I into sneaking down wee early hours of the morning and stealing that canoe back and taking it 
to the dock where they rented the canoes. Now, my responsibility as a senior patrol leader was to tell his dad. Not, because he was in trouble. And if I would have done what he had asked me to do, I would have been in trouble if I'd have been caught. Because we had to walk several miles to the lake from our campsite down over the hill, two or three o'clock in the morning, swim out in the middle of the lake where the canoe was, resting all by itself, while those older boys were partying on the side of the bank by a campfire, continuing to drink, and they were pretty well lit. Brighter than the campfire, I would say, at the time. Greg and I snuck down. We swam very quietly out into the middle of that lake, as quiet as we could. I went around on the back side of it, scared to death. I figured one of those drunks was laying in it, passed out. That would have been the day we would have capsized the canoe. But there was no one in it. Greg and I climbed into it in the way that we were taught, paddled it down to the dock where they rented the canoes and walked about five miles back to our campsite. Jeff was waiting on us. And he said, did you do it? We said, yes. Yes. We got it. We laid down for a little while, and it was time to get up fix breakfast. My responsibility was to tell his dad. This is a lame example of grace, but I decided not to do it. I decided not to tell him, because I didn't want Jeff to get in trouble, and everything went off without a hitch. Greg and I got back safe, tired and wet, but we got back safe. The experience was one that I've never told anybody else but you all. You're the first people that I've ever told that to. That was grace. In a small form, that was grace. But if I would have preached on grace, I would have probably go a little further with that story. But we showed Jeff grace. He didn't deserve grace. He didn't deserve our favor. He didn't deserve, we liked Jeff. He was one of us, but, but um, we had a responsibility. Right's right, in fact, isn't it? You know, it's you, you, right is right, wrong is wrong. But we didn't want to see Jeff get in trouble. So Greg and I, neither one ever said anything about it to anybody else. And no one in the troop knew what we did all that weekend or maybe even afterwards. And I'm not sure whether Greg ever told anybody about it or not either. But that was grace. Because grace is unmerited favor. Grace is God showing us favor 
when we do not deserve favor. Grace is showing us forgiveness when we do not deserve forgiveness. Jim, out front, we were talking about the weather and and it's getting a little better and tomorrow's supposed to be warmer and he said, well, we deserve some better weather. And I said, uh, yeah, we do, but if we got what we deserved, and he said, let's don't go there. Let's don't go there, right, Jim? Yeah, let's don't talk about what we deserve, because what we deserve is we, we don't want to think about that. The grace of God, what that means to us, and the favor that God has toward us. That when Jesus Christ came and was born of a virgin to this world, there were a people in trouble, a group of people who was in terrible trouble. God foreordained and saw a long time ago, and, and we think, well, God, why did you wait so long? But time means nothing to God. Because God's not, He is not... Uh, Controlled by time. It means nothing to him. A day is as a thousand years to the Lord. And a thousand years is a day. But yet that God's not, he's not worried about time. But in God's time, he sent Jesus Christ to come into this world, to be born of a virgin, to live a life, to die and to give us grace. Something that the world did not deserve and does not deserve. And, and if you and I was sitting here thinking today, we could probably come up with a whole list of people that do not deserve the grace of God. Well, we could come up with a bunch. In fact, I can tell you one right now, Junebug. You know, me. I can, Danny doesn't deserve the grace of God. There's none of us that deserve the grace of God. But God give it to us. And, and then God not only give us His grace and His mercy, and that we're saved by grace through faith, that we see that through faith in Jesus Christ and what He has done for us, and the, the favor that He shows to us, is something that we do not deserve. It's something that we cannot do anything to deserve. We can't pay him back for what he's done. But he just keeps giving to us and giving to us and giving to us. And if if you look at the front of your bulletin today, that you'll see that uh, today we're in joy. Uh, there was hope, peace, and joy. And now here we are uh, with joy, that we experience joy. Because of God's grace, we can have joy in living our lives. Because of God's grace, we can have joy in the midst of all of the circumstances that we go through in this world. Because of God's grace, we can have joy in the midst of whatever we might be facing or going through in life. We can have joy, a joy that uh, that is, passes all of our understanding 
a joy that the Bible says is unspeakable and full of joy in that we can be overwhelmed with the joy of God in our lives because of the grace of God. Philippians gives us some tremendous stories of joy. Paul wrote the letter to the Philippian people and as part of the Word of God to how we could experience joy in our lives. In chapter 1, he starts out uh, with the joy uh, that we can have by having a single mind and the believer's life in, in spite of the suffering that goes on within our lives. And that, listen to me, people, it doesn't matter who you are, it doesn't matter where you live, it doesn't matter how you were raised, sometime or another in your life and in my life, we're going to suffer some kind of, of pain, we're going to suffer some kind of problem, we're going to suffer some kind of tribulation, we're going to have... We're going to suffer something in our lives. You're human. I'm human. And we're all going to suffer. But Paul, through the Word of God, was telling us how that we can have joy in the midst of that suffering that we might be going through. The grace of God. Is it sufficient or is it not sufficient? We say many times in our life, God's grace is sufficient for the very need that we are facing or going through right now, or it's not sufficient, one or the other. Now, it may take us a while to get through it. It may take us a long time to get through it. But at the end of it all, we can still look back and say, God's grace is sufficient. Amen? We can even say in the midst of it, right in the middle of it, God's grace is sufficient so far. I've said that many times in my life, that so far that God's grace is sufficient. I don't know what I'll have to face tomorrow. I don't know what I'll have to face next week or next month. But so far that I can see that God's grace is sufficient. There's joy that would triumph over suffering Look in verse 8, if you would. For God is my record, how greatly I long after you all in the bowels of Jesus Christ. And this I pray, that your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge and in all judgment, that you may approve things that are excellent, that you may be a sincere without offense till the day of Christ, being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ unto the glory of and praise of God, if you go on over, uh, well, let me back up just for a second in verse 12. But I would ye should understand, brethren, that the things which happened unto me have fallen out rather unto the furtherance of the gospel, that we look at things uh, at, in, in two different ways. We look at them in, in doom, despair, and agony, we look at them as, oh, woe is me, why am I going through this thing? Or we look at it in a way of saying, how can I glorify God in what I'm going through? How can I praise Him in what I'm facing? Is it the death of a loved one? Is it the death of a mate? Is it the death of a child? Is it the death of somebody else close to you? 
Is it financial problems? Is it physical problems? What it might be? How can I glorify God in what I'm facing? How can I glorify God in what I'm going through? How can I show the grace of God in the things that people are looking at in my life? Let me, uh, and, I'll, and I'll probably go to it again, but let me go to it. Junior and I talked about this the other night a little bit, but let me, let me go over to it in, in chapter 2, verse 12. Wherefore, I'm a, wherefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. And what that means is, is to show outwardly what has taken place inwardly in your life. Work hard to show the results of salvation in your life. That that means that when we work hard to show the joy and the rejoicing and the peace and the, and the contentment and the grace of God is that when we're going through this life and we're facing the things in this life, that when people look at our lives, he says to work out those things. Work out your own salvation. Work out the thing that's taken place in your life. Show forth the grace of God. Show forth the peace of God. Show forth the joy of Christ. Either God's grace is sufficient or it's not. Either His joy is unspeakable or it's not. Either His uh, peace that passes understanding or it doesn't. It's one way or the other. And I want to tell you something this morning, church, and you all would agree with me because when I get done with this, you're going to amen real loud. God's grace is sufficient. His joy is perfect. His peace does pass understanding. He is our all-sufficiency. Amen? Amen. God is that way in our lives. So it is now what the writer is <coughs> excuse me. What the writer is asking us to do is to show it. He's saying these things, the things that I'm going through, have happened to me for the furtherance of the gospel. The single-mindedness of an individual of being able to experience joy in the midst of your suffering is to be single-minded in the fact that I'm here for a reason, I'm here for a purpose, God wants to use me where I am. If you look in verse 21, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. I want people to look at my life and see Jesus Christ. I want people to listen to my words and see Jesus Christ. I want people to watch me go through life and I want them to watch Jesus Christ. I want them to see the writer was saying, for to me to live is Christ. I want to glorify him in my life. I want to lift him up in my life. I want to exemplify him in my life. Would Jesus have forgiven Jeff for doing what he did? Yeah, he would have. Would he have gone down in the midst of that lake, out in the middle, and swim out there in the middle, and got in that canoe and paddled it for several miles, and then walked for several miles, and done what he did? Yes, he would have. Why do I say that? 
is because he went to Golgotha's hill. He carried a cross through the way of suffering, down the road of suffering. He was nailed to the cross. He hung there for all day long, for hours upon end. He hung there and he died. And he died for the sins of all of us. And he shows all of us the grace of God. And if it were not for the grace of God, this world would be in so much worse shape. And it's going to get that way as God uh, pulls away from it all. But Paul would say, no matter what I'm going through in this life, I want Christ to be glorified. Paul would say in verse 23, I'm in... I'm between a rock and a hard spot. Well, Fudge Creek, I said that. He said, I'm betwixt. I'm, I'm in a straight betwixt two, having a desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is far better. Nevertheless, to abide in the flesh is more needful for you. Why? Because these people were drawing strength from the grace that God would show in his life. I was in a meeting one time at a church. And this is awful. I hate to even share this. But the end result is what's good. And I hate to even say it about myself, but I wish somebody else was. But I'm the only person here that was there. So I'm going to have to say it. But I was in a meeting in a church one time that I pastored, and, and a gentleman got up, and he stuck his finger up in my face, and he said, you're a bold-faced liar. And I sat there in my seat, looked at him and smiled. And I said, tell me what I've lied about. And he couldn't. Because I, w- I didn't lie. And so the conversation went on, and I won't have to tell you anymore, but he was really mad. And this was a church that I took that they were having fights in the parking lot when I took it. You know, hold my Bible. I'm going to whoop this guy. You know, uh, not arguing. I mean, I'm, you know, hold my Bible. Uh, so this was the mentality of those people. Just fight. And so I sat there and smiled at him, and, and I, you know, honestly. Uh, and so after the meeting was over with, there was a young man, and he's pastor in a church right now out in Lynchburg, Virginia. And... Uh, He came up to me after the meeting and he said, Preacher, I saw the grace of God on your face. And I said, Boy, I'm glad because I didn't feel it in my heart. I wanted to get up and stomp him. He said, But I saw the grace of God on your face. This is what the writer was saying to work out. Show what's in your heart. Show what's in your life. Show what's going on. 
Show what has taken place in, as salvation goes. Did God give you grace? Yes. Did he give you joy? Did he give you peace? Did he give you contentment? Did he give you forgiveness? Did he give you all of these things that we list within God's word? Did he give you the desires of your heart in, in serving him and living for him? Yes, he did. Did he give you his grace to be able to shed to other people and to share with other people? Yes, he did. And in verse 27, only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ. The grace of God. I like to watch Cot and Providence. Have any of you ever saw that? Cot and Providence. It's a Providence, Rhode Island. There's a judge there that when people come into his court for different reasons, that I mean, he just, he's something else. I mean, I, I, don't, I don't know if he's a believer or not, but if he isn't, he, he ought to be because as compassionate as this fellow is. He's an Italian. And you all know as well as I know, Italians aren't that compassionate, right? Oh, I don't know. But um, any Italians here? But he, people come into his court and they'll go to crying and carrying on and telling him some sob story, and and he'll say, "Everything's dismissed." Said, "I'm I'm pulling for you. I hope things go better for you, uh, but I'm going to dismiss everything against you." And said, "Have a good day." And I mean, just about everybody that comes before him, that he does that too. If people are sincere with him, and I'm looking at that and I'm saying. There's God's grace being exemplified in a courtroom. And one person the other day, I love watching it. I, love, I just, every chance I get, I, I try and watch it. One, one person came through the other day and said, Judge, if every judge was like you in America, America would be a better place to be. And I stopped for a moment when I heard that and I thought, if we as Christians were exemplifying the grace of God, if we as Christians were showing compassion rather than judgment, if we as Christians were oozing the grace of God and forgiveness, I think this world would be a better place than it is. If we were showing chapter 2, and I'm not going to go on much further, but chapter 2, the, the Paul in the writing exhorts us to be in unity and in meekness with each other and, and to exalt Jesus Christ above everything else. And and that confessing Christ glorifies God. Look at, if you would, in verse 9, Wherefore God also hath highly exalted Him, Jesus, and given Him, Jesus, a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, 
of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That when Jesus Christ is confessed and when he is lifted up, it brings glory to God. When Jesus Christ is shown out in our lives, when when we allow him to live out in us, when when people see him in us, when people hear him in us, when people watch him in us and watching us, God is glorified. Jesus came into this world in a lowly setting. Not much. I've told you all before, and I'm, I know I'm weird, and that's okay. I, I accept that. But my favorite Christmas song is Little Drummer Boy. That's my favorite. If you really listen to that, it might do something to you. I heard a rendition of it the other day that just lit me up. You know, they, boy, they were working on those drums and beating those drums and, and then singing those drums, and I have no gift to bring. So I'll just play on my drum for you. Give you what I've got. And I don't have anything but myself. My favorite Christmas movie is Scrooge. With Alistair. And I love that one. That, that one. I don't like the one with uh, George Patton playing it. George C. Scott. He's from down here wise. I just see him as George Patton, and I think, why is George Patton playing Scrooge? He was pretty bad, but I mean, but anyway, but I like Alistair Begg. I like, I like, I like him. I like him in that, and I like the story of that, of how he changes and how things change, and and you start seeing a different person because of the effect of of Christmas. That's me. I like other songs and other movies as well. But I, I search those two things out all the time. Even during when it's not Christmas season. To listen to or watch those things. that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God, our Father. Jesus Christ came in a lowly manner, lived a life that was not anything special, died on the cross, others had died on crosses, 
but he gave us the grace of God. Because he showed us the grace of God that we might show others. Stand with me, please. God's asking us for nothing much from us but us. That we would present ourselves a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is our reasonable service. That we cannot give Him anything for the gift that He's given us, but we can sure try and help others experience that same grace. That same same commitment, same thing, same grace. For by grace are you saved through faith. Faith in Jesus Christ, you live by faith, you're you're living in grace, you're experiencing grace and accepted in your life. And help other people see it as well. Father, we come to you, Lord, and we ask for you, for you to speak to our hearts from heart to heart, from life to life. Touch us. God, help us to be as Christians. Help us to be little Christs in our life. And help us to work out those things that have taken place inwardly within us. To show real salvation, real forgiveness, real peace, real joy. God, help us. I pray you'll speak to our hearts. Draw those, I pray in Christ's name, and amen.